to hell with the latest. <laughs> Hello, my children. Warning. Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Oh, death. Oh, death. Oh, everybody to Supernatural The Crossroads on Rainman Digital Crossroads 003. I am your host, Thomas Cowley, and joined with me today is Michael Flores. Hello, everybody. And special guest, A.V. How's it going? Hello, hello. Doing great. And today we are going to be talking about what we have seen in the last couple of years with Andrew Dabb leading into season 14. A new season of Supernatural is just a few short weeks away, and there's a lot to be excited for. Now, setting aside the big, obvious cliffhanger from the end of the season, spoiler alert, if you're listening to this, why are you doing that if you haven't seen the show? Dean being possessed by Michael does change the dynamic of season 14 very, very much. With the entire, almost the entire show run, we have had these two characters working in tandem. They have been the same, essentially, character written from two different perspectives. The whole show has been based on that. So to remove one of them now... Yeah. It is going to change how we experience this show for a very, for probably the first time to this degree. Oh, for sure. I mean, I remember way back with season five when Dean and Sam were separated from letting out Lucifer and they had some issues to deal with because Ruby had betrayed him and all that stuff. I remember that being a tough time. And it was only a couple of episodes that they were even apart. So having about half a season without Dean is going to be a distinct different shift for us i think it'll be a good change of pace though i think so and i know there's people out there that are kind of stressing out i've i've kind of gauged the temperature on social media and there's some people that are kind of um worried worried about not having the actual dean there however dab has said that they're going to find a way to make sure that dean winchester is present but honestly when you're moving to 14 seasons you got to change it up sometimes and i and i and this is i think a welcome change of pace i agree and i think while you may worry in that it'll be a little bit different i don't have i have zero doubt that the show won't be good for having dean as michael for a little bit i was gonna be fine because you're right you do need a bit of a shake-up after 14 years and we know that there it's too sweet an opportunity to not have a sort of Dean conversing with Michael in his own head. Right. Let Jensen really stretch those acting talents of his. We've seen it with Sam way back in season five, talking to Lucifer as himself. I'm looking forward to some of that and some of the creative things they can do, letting him be a true actor, try different things, a different personality. I think it's exciting. Even as an actor, 14 years, the he needs to be challenged. I yes. mean, Jensen is is an actor's actor. He takes a lot of pride in it. 
And for the most part, actors get bored. Yeah. And they feel like they need to be challenged. And I wouldn't doubt it if he was pushing for this. If he was like, I, I would love to do this because it gives him something to do rather than going in every day, playing the same character, you know, expecting the same things from Dean every, you know, week right. in, week out. This gives him a chance to flex those creative muscles and do something different. It's the reason why Misha Collins does crazy things every year, because he <laughs> wants to actually do some acting rather than playing the same character he's played for what? Moving on 10 years? Just about. Yeah. Yeah. And with that in mind, there have been a lot of moving parts that have made up the last two seasons of Dab's run, which is normal. We expect that when any new showrunner comes on, they have to change things a little bit into their way of thinking, what they want to present to the show. And I think there's a lot of expectations moving into his third act. Oh, absolutely. There has to be at this point. Yeah. You, you get a season of like set up. And and a trial run, you get another one to try and win us over and set up something bigger. And now, essentially, you have to pay that off. He's barely getting started. When you really break it down, I feel like a lot of what he's been trying to do has led to this moment. Like, he had this in the back of his mind. All right, I'm going to have this alternate Michael come in, and he's going to be a problem that Sam and Dean have to deal with moving into the 14th season. And because of that, I feel like it's I think we're in for a pretty fun ride for season 14 because it does, despite some of the issues that obviously we've had. That's mm -hmm. not a that's not a secret. No, we're not hiding that. I feel like this is one of the the more. Exciting. Nuanced. I feel like there's that he understands what he wants to do. Yeah, they, there wasn't it didn't they didn't just drop it on us. I think a lot of us saw it coming. Oh, and I yeah. don't think that's a bad thing. I feel like sometimes people think, oh, I saw that coming from a mile away. And sometimes that can be awful. But sometimes it's because the writer has built anticipation. Dropping, yes. And he's dropping the right breadcrumbs. Yeah. And I think with these last two seasons, we've had a lot of highlights, a lot of major things that he has done very well that have built that excitement for quite some time now. Now, so this this episode here is going to be a little bit of highlights and a little bit of a recap of these last two seasons as we prepare and excite for season 14. Now, these aren't just some of our favorite moments from the last two seasons, though, they're also elements that have been laid down as stepping stones to get us to this point, to get us to these events that we will hopefully, and it makes all the sense in the world, see in season 14 or perhaps seasons after this fact. Right. And that's the key phrase there, Thomas, is we're not necessarily, we're not recapping, we're not mm -hmm. doing year in review style. This is solely focused on the highlights and I'm not talking highlights of things that we liked necessarily. Right. It's just the obvious moments throughout season 12 and 13 that have been laid out to help kind of pave the way for more stories in, in 14. It would make sense to see some of these some of these elements play some part in the upcoming season. Yeah. And I think that will be, as we said earlier, this is kind of where we will hopefully see what dab has been building towards yeah this whole time because we know carver had originally a three season run mm -hmm. and he was only on for four years mm -hmm. so first though as always we've got some news we are going to be talking about supernaturals going to be paying homage to the 80s style slasher movies oh. in, in season 14 yeah are you're a fan of slashers aren't you mike i love horror but i hate horror <laughs> <laughs> like I, I always say that like people like how can you hate and love horror well you know I, I feel like there's a lot of garbage horror a lot oh yeah but during the Most run 
But during the 60s, 70s, 80s, you had the crap horror that there was there was some charm to it. It was it was. Yes, it was there. It was for a reason. It was specifically designed a certain way, so much so that to this day, people a lot of people gravitate to the 60s and the 70s and the 80s to kind of package their own film or TV show. And I feel like Dab has an affinity towards the 70s and 80s era because and the 60s. He I think he's a film buff, which I don't I can't I don't think we can really say that about anybody other than perhaps Kripke. Uh, hmm. I'm not saying Gamble and Carver weren't good. I'm no, saying but like that, incorporated it that heavily, right? Because there's a lot. Yeah. He incorporates a lot of film genres. He 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 really threw in a lot of spaghetti western elements through season twelve and season thirteen. Uh, we saw those Kill Bill style episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually heard spaghetti western music numerous times. He has an interest in the film genres of those eras. And a lot of, I think film guys growing up in this, in around our age, Thomas, mm-hmm. I think a lot, I feel like a lot of them gravitate to that. It's just like Tarantino and Rodriguez always going back to that 60s, 70s era style of filmmaking, because yeah. there's a, there's a, a cool factor to it. It's something you don't see yeah. anymore. Truthfully. And you're right with horror. There is a lot of garbage horror out there. I'd say easily 90% of it is just pure crap. But when it's good, it's, it's really, really fucking good. good. So according to comicbook.com, the it says, in a recent interview with TV Line, showrunner Andrew Dabb teased that the fourth episode of season 14 will see Sam and Dean Winchester and company dealing with a predicament inspired by slasher movies. See, that was the only thing I was a little disappointed in because I am guilty of being a headline reader. When I first mm-hmm. saw this, I was like, Holy shit, the entire season's going to be packaged like a slasher film. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then I read this. It was just going to be the fourth episode. I'm still happy with it. I still think it's cool. I think I, I think for the most part, we enjoy those fun episodes if they're done correctly. Oh, yeah. So I have a question. Yes. And not to uh, put a downer on Uh-oh. any of this, but it does say Sam and Dean Winchester. Mm-hmm. So does this put a nail in the coffin of we get to see Dean as Michael until the midseason or is this a flashback? Hmm. That's an interesting question. You know, it could be a flashback. Sam talking about times him and Dean were hunting and, and why like he a has clip to, episode. Well, well, like you know, the classic clip episode. If, if Sam has to recruit help, for example, yeah. in getting Dean back and has to fight Michael, He'd have to tell some people about why it's so important to him. So maybe it would be a flashback episode in some way. I, I could see it going that way. I don't think they're silly enough to do only three episodes. Yeah. I also think they can incorporate this somehow without changing that up. Yeah. Because I mean, they could find a way to do it. It can be a way of what if in this, in the mind of Michael, you know, it's a horror movie. You yeah. escape him. I, I, just throwing out ideas. <gasps> oh shit! What if it's? Oh my god! That they're amazing. in his head, yeah. and he's trying to hunt them through his dreams or some shit like that. Right. Well, yeah, because remember when Sam had Gadriel, mm-hmm. and they went to they were in his mind rescue for a bit. him. Gadriel had put him in a dream where him and Dean were trying to find zombie cheerleaders oh, or something. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So that's there's cool. there's no limit to how they could represent oh, yeah. this story. Well, that's the beauty of this show is the sky's the limit. You can pretty much if you're creative they, enough, you could do almost and anything. follow the rules you've established. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Dab says Sam and Dean and our whole crew get involved in our homage to 80 slasher movies. 
We've got some really cool, gory stuff planned for that. This is at the moment, it's anyone's guess as to what the plot of the 80s-inspired episode will be like, or what movies in particular the episode will pay homage to. But considering the series' many previously-themed episodes, with inspiration ranging from fan fiction to ghost hunt of ghost hunting shows to a crossover with Scooby-Doo, fans can surely expect a lot of craziness. And I think... Man, this makes me want to go back and see who's directing that episode. <laughs> and I'm, I've never been a huge fan of slasher movies as, like, I want to see all of them, but I've respected them for what they are, and especially some of the Halloween, the first one, and right. what it did basically launching that genre as a whole and what is fun about those. I've never been – one of my friends is the guy who's seen every Halloween, has every DVD, has them on Blu-ray as well. Same with Friday the 13th and all the other Nightmare on Elm Street, all those ones. So it will be fun to see what they take from that. My – if it is in his head, I think it would be more of a Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street thing. But I'm hoping for more of like the ominous and sinister Halloween personally. Yeah. I think that'll be cool. Do we know who Eamon Adderall Yes. Mm-hmm. He, I believe he's done good episodes. I have to is, go back. Is, is he the one directing it? Four. Yeah. I have it's it been right a little here. bit. Ladies Drink for Free, which we didn't like that episode. Mm-hmm. He did Breakdown. Oh, shit. Ooh. Really? Yep. That's good. Okay. I'm excited now. And he, and he also did Bring Them Back Alive. I don't remember that that episode. Oh, yes. Uh, Dean and Ketch go mm-hmm. to Apocalypse World and search yep. for Mary and Jack. Breakdown was a great episode. Breakdown though. was fantastic. As disturbing as all hell. So that, it gives us a lot to He's be excited capable. for. He has the chops to do it. If he did that episode Unbreakable, which is just, uh, or uh, not Unbreakable. Breakdown. Uh, breakdown, then I don't have, I don't doubt his ability. Right. And I think this is a good, this is a good way to have some kind of Kind of get not exactly gimmick episode, but if you're going to do that, it's fun. Something that's horror related makes more sense to the season rather than like a gangster one out of nowhere. Right. So (laughs) I'm, I'm, I have high hopes for this. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be fun. Now, as far as season 12 and season 13 go, we do have a lot of things to talk about. The, I think the first, biggest thing that affected season 12 was the entire overarching concept was the expansion of the men of letters universe bringing in the british branch the fact that we had this entire other group of an organization we had thought to be dead for shit 60 years 50 years give or take and bringing them into the story to be the main really the main antagonist for the entire thing lucifer was there but he was never a, a focus point until the very, very end. So this is highlight number one. <laughs> you forgot to do that, Tom. Yes, I did. Thank you, Mike. But to have them, something that we had seen up until this point as relatively a good organization. It, it may have been cocky. It may have had a couple of bad apples throughout it. But overall, they did good things for the good of mankind. And we could kind of trust or at least have this vague idea that they were a good guy a good team yeah i i liked this element i had a few issues with it but for the most part i think it really worked and i think dab needed to expand upon it because we already know and it's been well established that the men of letters were extinct in the united states so they had to bring in a separate chapter from another country for it to make sense and the way it worked 
the fact that they were tired of seeing, you know, Sam and Dean allegedly fuck things up mm-hmm. and they had to come down and fix things and to get a handle on the United States as well because they're a rogue nation, which I think is a metaphor for the uh, Revolutionary <laughs> for the, War. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like it worked and it was a great it was a risk because I feel like yeah. the, the men of letters were already established as an as an academic group of bookworms. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly uh, there was a shift in the style of men of letters, which, yes, 70 years or however long had passed, a, a group can change. But the, he turned them more into less Boogie academic man. and more of a a violent kill crazy group of individuals mm-hmm. with zero morality. For the most part, I would say that that might have been one of the detracting points because it didn't feel like they were researchers and academics and there was nobody no, in there. Were soldiers. There was nobody in there doing research on how to better cure a demon or how to better imp- like take out a vampire other than just brutal tactics. Like you said, of soldiers, give them better weapons. Yeah. I don't know. I just think we just didn't see that part. I, I think you're right. That's, that's was, also true. It's just a small group when like, you know, the the shipyard docking <laughs> right their own little bunker yeah. section yeah. that's what i was about to say av um i feel like we were only privy to a group of people that were meant to grab a hold of america of the united states but because you do get that idea when they were in their own little bunker towards the end of the season there was what four or five people that got killed from the vampires th- and they yeah. had no mm-hmm. combat experience whatsoever they were the bookworms yep so they still were like that, uh, but they had evolved and changed into something else. And to me, that wasn't an issue. It just was something very different. And Dab needs to do that. He needed to kind of hit the ground running and take a piece of lore and make it his own. And he didn't retcon anything. I don't think he changed anything or ruined what mm-hmm. the men of letters were. It's just at this moment what they're trying to do. And ultimately, I feel like why it worked so well and why it's a highlight for the season was because the strength of it was the idea that, A, yes, it was a game changer, but it created questions of ethics and morality. And I felt like that's where it really shined, where this highlight really came forward, when you could see the contrast between Sam and Dean and the fact that they have killed countless monsters, but there are certain things they won't do, even when it comes to the monster mm-hmm. species. Like, for example, blanketly just killing all of them. For no reason. They weren't cool with that. Sam didn't like the idea. And I felt like it was used to strengthen the core characters because ultimately everything's about that, Thomas. Everything should always be about Sam and Dean. And when they use that to contrast the two, that's where it really worked for me. Well, and I I really like that, too, because it tied in a lot of different elements, because if you remember when they first met Henry Winchester and... He found out they were his grandkids and he was excited because they were men of letter legacies. But then when he found out they were hunters, he almost had disdain for them. Because in his line, (laughs) his his mind, um, the hunters were the ones that did the dirty work. And if you stop and think about way back when Supernatural first started... Hunters were just killing machines. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of the way John hunted and Gordon and some of the other people that we've they seen. They were over blunt the years. instruments. It, exactly. It's Shoot black first and white and ask questions, they're maybe. bad, so let's kill them. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing, too, is we, as you said, it always has to revolve around the main characters of Sam and Dean. And what I like about 
the British Men of Letters was that they this was a great use of the additional characters we've brought in are here to aid Sam and Dean in yes. some way. And I think both McDavies and Ketch were very strong examples of that. Absolutely. Ketch not really until season 13, mm-hmm. but we saw so much more of that world from their perspective. And seeing McDavies being that guy who always believed in this relatively for the greater good concept and then seeing him be with the Winchesters and now their influence on him helped him change his morals, realize that what he was doing, while maybe, quote, for the greater good, was seriously lacking in morality, in ethics, and in all kinds of things. And it made him change who he was. While this doesn't exactly propel Sam and Dean's storyline, it does reinforce who they are as characters in this world. It shows their leadership abilities. Which is major for Sam in the season. Yes, and it shows the the power they have to Mm -hmm. win people over. And I'm not talking about the usual joke we say about the Winchester Kool-Aid. Oh, I love these guys. I'm going to be on their team. There's something about them, and it's something that's never changed in the entire 13-plus seasons of this show, and it's the fact that they are able to to change the way many people think. And the fact that they were able to win McDavies over, and he they were able to show the difference in their morality compared to his, mm-hmm. and he changed his ways, and he died for it. But he died believing in something pure that Sam and Dean were able to share with him. And that, again, is the strength as well of, of introducing these characters and using them kind of as, uh, you know, Sam and Dean as that moral compass of sorts. And then, it you know, it, it bleeds into Catch a little bit as well, seeing him transform from this guy who was this theoretically soulless villain killing you know psychic girl with powers who's been abused for the majority of her life in cold blood into a character who sacrifices himself you know at the time he had a risk of never returning to his regular dimension when to give dean a chance at bringing everybody back you know seeing him transform over that season because again of the winchester's influence is a great strength in showing how they have this heroic influence it's it's something where when you see somebody who's so much more not exactly good but that altruistic altruistic person Mm -hmm. who makes you want to be a better person that's what the winchesters are yeah i think it's interesting too that it doesn't really they don't really hit you over the head with it no but i can see mcdavies and catch being I don't know, foils maybe for Sam and Dean respectively. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, they played Nick that was parallel able up. to, I'm sorry. They played up that parallel with Dean and catch for sure. Right. But I also kind of felt that with Mick because Sam and Mick were more the bookworms. Mm-hmm. And so I could see him coming to that conclusion a lot faster, just like Sam was the less black and white person in the beginning whereas it took dean like he drug him kicking and screaming into this whole you know there are places of gray just like it took catch a long time to really kind of turn his viewpoint around a different direction yeah and ultimately i think that's why the british mental letters gave us a strong central myth arc to deal with for most of the season it gave us a major problem that was unique it wasn't new types of monsters that we had from gamble it wasn't god level entities like we had with carver in just the season past it was a good lower and we talked about this at length throughout season 12 it was a good 
lower level, more personal story with a more relatable conflict. Yeah. The middle letters is a gift that keeps giving. Like how, how many times can you, can this concept evolve and continue to add to the story? Yeah. I, I can't, yes, I, especially since it was introduced midway through season. Eight. Yeah. I, I can't pinpoint and maybe I'm an idiot right now, but I cannot pinpoint another element in supernatural that has been ongoing and that has evolved and, and fit each season's story so well. Is there a season? Is there one other element? I guess you can say heaven, but heaven has has faltered Mm-mm. and it's been kind of mishandled sometimes. I feel like a lot of people have that general that that's the general consensus. I feel mm-hmm. um, some people are bored with heaven, but people's never seem to be bored with the men of letter elements. It's always something new that comes from it, whether it be men of letters in actuality, like we got in right. season 12 or just something lore. that was found in the bunker lore that helps them solve a problem. It, it, in a lot of ways, it's the better version of the John Winchester diary. It's a better yeah. version yeah. of calling Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> the better version than calling Garth. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's it the, worked. Yeah. It, and it continues to work. Right. It, it was a great decision and a great highlight from season 12. But I think that the, the next biggest one, the more personal one is absolutely the return of Mary Winchester. That is the number, our number two highlight here. This concept, though it has been met with some mixed reactions on whether or not some people like it, but ultimately that's not really the point. Her role within the last two seasons has been to put a spotlight on the family issues that have plagued Sam and Dean since the concept of the show. She is the mother that they had on a pedestal. She was everything to John Winchester. She was the main driving force of the show from season one on for the longest time. That's what it was. And to have her come back into the story was always going to be a risk. And again, whether or not you liked it though, it definitely helped address some of the things that had been going on with Sam and particularly Dean as a character since that first episode, since the pilot. For me, it was like the icing on the cake for season 12. Yes, she did a lot more than just simply just that. But the, but the more obvious part that helped actually aid in, in the narrative direction of Sam and Dean, what she did for them, the fact that we could finally witness, to actually witness Sam and Dean deal with emotional trauma that we've only heard about and and seen throughout the previous 11 seasons come to a head in such a meaningful way that it adds so much emotional development to our characters in a way that I don't think it could have been done any other way, except by reintroducing the mother, this, this woman, the matriarch, the woman that was put on a pedestal and then kind of in a way deconstruct her. Well, I think you had to do that because if she were to come back and be everything they remembered and the most loving mother who was perfect in every way, a is unrealistic. I mean, everyone who a lot of people love their mother, but nobody will say their mom was perfect at anything. I think. Right. They're a human. They fuck up. And to have her come back and bring that baggage with her made sense because for her, it had only been a moment since she died. And now she's in the woods 30 odd years later and have that viewpoint of her, that woman on the pedestal be questioned and challenged in every way by 
who she is, what she says, her personality, what she finds important, what she spends her time with, her even her own views of being a mother. That that adds drama. That adds conflict. She's quite progressive for being from the uh, from the eighties. <laughs> See, I I think I agree a hundred percent, and I think it really boils down to the episode where they all decide to go to counseling. Yep. Yeah. With the shapeshifter. And season thirteen. Yeah. And you absolutely finally see Sam air his feelings about he doesn't have these memories. He doesn't have this relationship with, you know, his mother when he was a child and he still didn't because she always, you know, would revert to Dean and, and all of that. So I, I loved that aspect of having Mary back in the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. She's the embodiment of that guest role. You know, those guest roles we always talk about, not the guest roles because we love that character, but those guest roles that actually help dissect the issues within our, our main characters, Sam and Dean and Mary Winchester embodies that Yeah, more than anybody. Well, and they, they started treating her kind of like they did John because she wasn't even in that episode, yeah. but yet you still felt her presence. Yep. It, it's been such a great writing device to help to help dissect characters in a way that we just really couldn't unless they were present. Mm-hmm. You don't want to see grown men cry about their mothers <laughs> every single episode for the ne- for the next fourteen seasons. So the only way to really deal with this obvious wound that has never been healed, especially in Dean, of losing a mother that he knew. Uh, yeah, this is the great way to do it. And the 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 tragedy of it all is the fact that. It's not as how it's not how she's he not rem- perfect, not how he remembered it. Right. And we're going to discuss that a lot more in depth during um, a, a video cast where we're actually going to talk solely about Mary Winchester in depth and completely deconstruct her character and what she did for Sam and Dean. And, and you know, it's not just what she did for Sam and Dean, but she even had an impact on other side characters that have had a big role in Sam and Dean's life. Yeah. The character of Sheriff Jody Mills has been the adoptive mother figure for them since season five. She's been adoptive there for MILF. MILF. Sorry, let me correct that. And now we had that episode in season 12 with Asa Fox comparing adoptive parent versus biological parent, which is something that is also very relatable for an audience. Yep. You know, how do you choose between those? Should you have to? Does one count more than the other? Does it even matter if they're there for you? They're a mother figure, but there had that conflict. And in some ways we see Sam and Dean have to choose sides that comes more into a head. I feel like in season 13 where they're searching for Mary who's been lost, but Jody again is the one who's there for them. Yeah. It's so much of a relatable aspect to anybody who's been in a step, a step parent situation or adoptive parent, or they have kids with two different parents yourself you've been separated it's great to bring that emotional personal angst drama to the forefront and you're right mike in a way that doesn't make sense if they weren't if she wasn't there yeah well and i really love the fact that they allowed jody to still kind of be that mother figure Mm -hmm. even though Mary was back in the picture you know she still stepped up to the plate and helped the boys just like she would, you know, and, and didn't seem to 
to shrink away and be like, oh, well, your real mom's here, yeah. so I can't really <laughs> yeah. do anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She didn't abdicate that responsibility in any way. Right. Like somebody else. <laughs> exactly. Which then, you know, it shows the differences between Jody and Mary as far as what it is to be a mother. They Again, this difference of ideals and wanting this picture-perfect scenario that at the end of the season we see her in her own head wanting that just to go back to the safe comfort zone but how much of an impact that had on dean and sam and how devastating her death even though she's not responsible 100 percent for it i mean she kind of is she made a deal with azazel in the first place but seeing how that has affected our characters that we've known for a decade plus but, but even great. that decision, see, this is where I'm 100% on board with Dab. Because even that decision where he kind of, you took something where Mary made of kind of an iffy choice. Yeah, I'll give up my first, my, I'll give up my son. Mm-hmm. When you come calling, I won't interfere, yada, yada, yada. Well, she didn't even know. Right. But you still always had that thing where it's like, well, she made a deal with the devil and right. her it cost her son's soul. But now suddenly they reframed it. In season 13, where we see what happens if she didn't make that deal. This is this is a way to almost in a way it baptized Sam Winchester to being who he needed to be. And Dean, it kind of pushed him on the path of what, mm-hmm. of. Pushed, it's necessary. It, yes, it put him on the path that they need to be in in order to save the world. And you and that's interesting because they did try to stop all of this from happening mm-hmm. several seasons ago and they were too late. And so what he did with apocalypse world is he just didn't put her and John together at all. Yeah. And I think is a good contrast. It, it places the importance on Mary. It places the importance back on Sam and Dean. It, it, I don't have any complaints on how they've used Mary. And that's why she is a, uh, is a highlight. Right now. Highlight number three wasn't as myth arc heavy to the entire season, but it was such a great concept of expanding the universe in a way that wasn't directly tied to the men of letters. Mm -mm. And that was the princes of hell and how great of a mix of both nostalgia and originality those characters ended up being. That's how you do it. That's that's fucking great. I still if you want to use nostalgia, fine. But Go sprinkle ahead. some originality on it as well, and that's how you do it. I mean, you your blood runs cold for just a minute when you first saw Ramiel with the yellow oh, eyes. Oh, yeah. You're like, holy oh, fuck. Because that has always been iconic to I got goosebumps the... on my penis. <laughs> I think that's – you're just having a boner, I think, <laughs> at some point. That became iconic to the villain. <laughs> Might Lucifer. be an STD. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I got bumps on my dick. I don't think that's goosebumps. <laughs> I should watch before I say something. Oh my god! I should take a moment before I say something. Yeah, and think about it. <laughs> I thought you said you should wash. You should wash as well. You yeah. filthy animal. Well, you know what? This is all going to be taken out. <laughs> <laughs> now, Lucifer may have been always been the villain for the show, but Azazel Yellow Eyes, he was the first that was the first introduction to evil in this world always remember your first you always remember your first so Mm -hmm. having as you said you can have nostalgia that's great if you want to use it but you should absolutely add some originality and each one of them was a plot device that helped push events along 
Ramael introduced the cult back into the show. It gave us the answer as to how Crowley became king of hell. It gave us a little bit of a solution to the current problem that was plaguing them yeah. in that season. Yeah. And the the key with this one for me is that it, it it's seamless. Like it doesn't feel like it came out of left field. You, right. you don't stop and think and say, well, how does this work? Where have they been? Because this idea is just so conducive with supernatural and what we know that it doesn't require, it really doesn't require a lot of explanation in, in order to flesh it out. You right. get it. Okay, yellow eyes, you're just adding to an already set Established idea. thing. Yeah, and, and the way they did it, it just works. And just like with anything, it, you you run the risk of it just failing miserably. But the way they executed it, it worked. Mm -hmm. It felt seamless. And you shrugged and said, yes, this absolutely makes sense, especially with with the explanation that A.V. brought up off the air before we started. The fact that they even showed how Crowley came to power, mm -hmm. which I thought was really smart and clever as well. It, because that twofold showed us something we were always a little curious about, but it introduced the princes of hell as a character. And then the question you'd have with that is, well, then why weren't they in charge? And it single-handedly answered that same question by their, they don't give a shit. And Crowley took the mantle because they abdicated the throne. And the nice thing was that was what Ramiel served as a purpose. He was a little more shallow, but he gave us so many answers that we needed. Then we introduced. Oh, yeah, because he was the introduction to the fact that there were more right. than one then we, yellow ID. Then we have Dagon, who becomes Lucifer's handyman and, and lackey, and she keeps Kelly Klein alive throughout the rest of the season and serves her purpose as well. And she ultimately removed the cult from the playing field, which fucking sucked, but it was a game changer and closed the door on something that we would always think of. Well, why don't we just use the cult? We never knew where that was. Having the princes of hell take that out because they know how powerful it was, helped answer that question as well. And then as... Oh, yeah, because... Go ahead. When, as soon as they got the cult back, boy, they just started using it all over the place. And start blasting people. Who gives a shit? Yeah. You know, monster, demon, ghost, men, uh, British mental letter guy who got in the way? Fuck him. Alpha vampire. Yeah, just keep shooting. But also then we had Asmodeus mm -hmm. as a character. And while his story didn't pan out the way we wanted to, having him take the mantle of hell after Dagon and Ramiel and all the others are off the board, right after the death of Crowley, to introduce a new character that can captivate an audience so well as Asmodeus did in the very, very beginning is a rare find. It's and, very and rare to pull that off. As yes. well. When you think of all the things that we have gone through with hell, you wonder, you sit and wonder, like, well, what's left? What's left? And these are the reasons why we always go back and say what, Thomas, that this show can th theoretically go, go on, on forever. forever. As long as it's done the right way, the ideas are endless because they work. If you would have told me, because on paper, I don't think I would have liked this. Hey, we had the Knights of Hell and now we had the Princes of Hell. Eh? Right. Hey, guys, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, that's a <laughs> shitty idea. Fuck you. Like, come on. We just did that. And yet they managed to make it work to where it feels seamless. And it makes sense. And when you think about it, they could pretty much do that with anything. Right. And the other thing I loved about it, especially with Asmodeus, was he was such a palette swap of Crowley. Mm, oh he's yeah. got this. He's completely dressed in white. Unlike Crowley. Who's you mean always he in black. wasn't just the, another Crowley? No, like some he was the exact said? opposite in no, every fucking respect. No, he was exactly respect. the same. He, was, he had a position of power in hell, which means he's just like Crowley. Mm -hmm. 
He was this southern aristocrat, something out of the Civil War era. He was Crowley was a low life. It's very different. It's, <laughs> it's very, very different. It's very different. But also, he he did something that we needed for demons for a long time, which was bring back some of the bite. Yeah, give them fangs again. He encapsulated everything that it was to be a demon. He was truly evil, truly formidable. Had both plans as well, but also pure raw power behind him. He was great, and he Unlimited was fun to power. watch. <laughs> it worked yeah so we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna get into the remaining highlights in just a minute stick with us the crossroads video cast is here retrospective reviews discussions theories and geek out all available when you pledge ten dollars or more a month to our patreon account same show just more of it Head over to patreon.com slash Digital to play. This is Star Wars from the Bunker Tank Exclusive. Said, oh, I want those ones. I want those ones. I'm like, but what about me? <laughs> what about me? I'm like, never mind. I have a 10-year-old. I'm going to buy all the shoes for myself. I must have. I'm going to wear the Ray boots. I don't care if they're for female. <laughs> I know some of the some of the stuff even for the females actually is like like yeah, ah, I'm totally. like excuse me Pozu but do you have any non gender specific Ray boots? I'd really like that. Please. I'd really like that, please. Non gender, that's the new thing today. I want to wear those Ray boots. <laughs> we have Twi'leks dancing right now, <laughs> and some sexy Ewoks. We don't discriminate. Don't discriminate. Hey. Makes it easier to carry them. If you would bone an Ewok, would you bone a Bantha then? I mean, if there's no difference, right? Nah, Ewoks are a little bit more fluffier. And more intelligent, I guess, right? Is there yeah. an intelligence factor there? Because no. when does it become pansexuality and then bestiality? <laughs> Where's the fine line there, David? <laughs> I must know this. <laughs> Is it okay to fuck an Ewok, but then frowned upon to fuck a Bantha? <laughs> <laughs> stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, DEAL30, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And for your viewing pleasure, six free spicy movies on DVD, plus free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. So go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code DEAL30. Again, that's DEAL30 because without it, no free stuff. That's DEAL30 at adamandeve.com. Have you missed an episode of Supernatural The Crossroads? Catch up on all our discussions. Just search Supernatural The Crossroads on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also find it on the RMD app. Just search Rain Man Digital from your iTunes app store or Google Play. 
I'm Crowley. I run hell. Yes, yes, of course I agree, 100%. High time we met. To hell with the latest. <laughs> guys we're back here and we're gonna get right into number four on our highlights list and that was sam's leadership role and seeing his character really take a turn and fit into something that we feel like in retrospect has been building for quite some time seeing him finally find true peace with who he was finding that role as a leader for so long he had been a follower to dean he had always done what dean said dean was the older brother before that, it was John Winchester. He was always a follower. And he always seemed to be on his way out. Right. Up until what? Season, even season eight. He did bail yeah. yeah. after he hit the dog and met Amelia. You know, <laughs> he decided to try to, you know, forget this life again. Right. So it wasn't until what the ending of the trials in season eight where he kind of yeah. kind of came to terms with this is it. And then, but it's still it was it was that unsaid. And then. In season 12, season 13, you started seeing Sam realize this is his life and embrace it. And then he embraces it. And this is when he becomes that leader. And it is really nice to see him come into his own. I think it spoke volumes, not just for him as a character, but seeing Dean deliberately step aside and let him let his brother do that. Dean had always been the one who told Sam, no, this is how we're going to do it. I'm the older brother. I say so. And now it's. It's essentially letting that person leave the nest kind of thing, letting him stand on his own, be his own person. And Dean having to finally, you know, whether or not he wants to accept that and seeing him become his own. I think they sprinkled a little bit of that in all through season 12. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. There were little moments where Sam would make a decision or he wouldn't be with Dean and he would do something and take that leadership role. So I think they did a good job of sprinkling that through the season so that not only we could see it and believe it, but also Dean could see it. So when it came down to that final episode, it wasn't out of nowhere. Exactly. Well, I mean, even the fact that before when Sam wants to work with Davies and we're thinking he's going to lie to Dean or Dean's going to get pissed and Dean just says, no, I trust you. This is if that's how you want to play it, we'll do it. That was huge for seeing where Sam is. I'm not saying Dean wouldn't be a leader. No, it's different. But this makes a lot more sense from everything that we've seen of Sam throughout the last 13 seasons going mm-hmm. on to 14 seasons. This leadership position. It, it, it makes ma- sense. It makes sense because in order to be a, a good leader, you have to have a certain amount of diplomacy. You have to be able to see things in multiple ways. And who's the one character who always had that level head? Except for maybe season one where he allowed some of his emotions to control him because right. of his his uh, his teenage like angst. angst towards his father and even his brother. But outside of that, he's always been that level head who was able to see things in a certain way. Uh, there well, were- heck, even Azazel wanted him in the leadership role. Yeah. yeah. To lead all his, his little his children, essentially. Yes. So it made a lot of sense for them to go with that. Yeah, and I think, as you said, A.V., the fact that they sprinkled it well throughout season 12, and again, over the years we've seen it grow, but it it felt natural, it felt right, it it was a nice moment at the end of season 12 to see him finally take that role. Now, highlight number five is is a bittersweet highlight, and that is the death of Crowley. Uh, The death of a close friend and ally 
was necessary to raise the stakes and and leave us with this feeling that things were different. This was no longer a death they could walk away from. This wasn't a, you know, he got stabbed, but he escaped at the last minute. This was truly an end to a character we had come to love for years. We haven't had a major, major death like this in Since quite Bobby? some time. And I'm not talking like, yeah, because I don't consider Charlie a major death because she was just a random guest spot. Yeah. And I'm not taking away from her character. So simmer down out there <laughs> listening. I'm saying that Crowley is a there's no comparison. Crowley is a major player in this show. And he slowly, since the trials of season eight, became a character that was conflicted between mm-hmm. good and evil. And to see him rise to an ally status, even though it was a, a bit of a contentious relationship he had with with Sam and Dean, there was a relationship. There was a friendship there amongst mm-hmm. them. And the, the way they gave his character closure in that final moment, it was very powerful, and it really did leave us with sheer dread. Do you remember? Yeah. When we came oh, yeah. back the next oh, day yeah. to to do the discussion, Dude, I'm still fucking sad. <laughs> it was such. It was one of the most powerful moments in season twelve. On mm-hmm. top of other powerful moments like uh, the second episode, the second to last episode where mm-hmm. Dean uh, and Mary deal with their problems. It's just more emotion and tragedy and to leave us hanging like that. Yeah. It was such a great moment and it really propelled the story move into season 13. It worked for us because look what Dean had to do in season 13. Look what he was dealing with for what? The the first quarter of season 13? Yeah. Yeah. And and ultimately, that's how you know you're making the right decisions. Yep. If you and this is why it's a highlight because this decision doesn't just last one episode. It propels again going back. It's always got to be about Sam and Dean, no matter what. And what does it do for them and their development moving forward? And it did wonders. It yeah. did wonders. I mean, look at that cry scene we had. Uh, the the scene where uh, Dean was crying to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe what the second first episode first episode punching the wall episode. yeah I mean we wouldn't have gotten that it wouldn't have felt as powerful if we actually didn't if we didn't lose somebody because Castiel's death did suck for a little bit but, but we, we knew, knew he was he coming, was coming back. back but Crowley's was a true loss it was a gut punch to the yeah. audience and, and then of course Mary we knew she was uh, Dean didn't know she was alive but we knew right so this was that death that that was given for the audience it was it, it was to help us feel the pain that Dean would end up feeling in season 13 it and, worked and it also helped get the entire emotional tone across for the beginning of season 13 having Sam and Dean be lost, isolated, alone, without allies. They had no one. They lost everyone they cared about in one terrible night. And the fact that Crowley's was permanent is something that we can all relate to. The loss of a friend, the loss of a loved one, it hurts. And so Dean punching that wall, it feels like us. It's a great way to draw the audience into your story and make them feel something without the safe safety net of oh well they can always come back right it was gone the power of a real death is always more impactful for not just the audience but jen also just pushing the narrative forward for because the stakes are for sam and dean it's real and it becomes a part of their 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 character yeah It, it was that was great bittersweet but a fantastic moment now highlight number six kind of piggybacks on that 
and that was officially bringing Rowena into the fold as an ally. And this helped with closure for not just her and her arc as a character since she was introduced in season 10, seeing her go through all kinds of changes and become somebody new, somebody that we we fell in love with her for all kinds of different reasons. She was a fun character to watch. She was smart and quirky and witty and hot, which spinners always Spinners are always fun, Thomas. <laughs> and of course, to you, everybody's a spinner, right? Yeah, as I say, at the same time, <laughs> we then get to see her grow as a character and be someone that we can actually empathize with. And she also was closure for Crowley, who was more a hero than a villain at that point. Yeah. I mean, him saying goodbye, boys, at the end fucking punches a hole right in your heart. Yeah. And to have her go through this change of she doesn't care about him at all in season 10 to she finally admits that if she didn't hate him, she'd have loved him in season 11. The morning, the morning arc that she yeah. had, it was just so it, powerful and it, it did so much for her, but also in a season where our Crowley was dead, our one of our main characters, it gave him closure yep. that much more. Because it wasn't. It was almost like it helped us mourn. Yeah. To realize that he's really not coming back. Yeah. And it wasn't just. I mean, we loved this aspect of season 13 that the emotional fallout, the emotional pain lasted more than one episode. And for Crowley to die at the end of season 12, for it to be just affecting Sam and Dean for an episode wouldn't have worked. You know, it needed to affect Rowena because that allowed us to grieve. Yeah. Her trying to get him back in some way, wanting to argue and fight against death itself. For her son, she's finally turned that leaf and did something truly selfless. We get to see her as a character further develop and become who she always could have been. It solidified and justified her purpose in the show and why she's been here longer than any other side. Side character, I guess. Side character. I think what is she, well, when it comes to female, I know women uh, are shorter runs on the show it seems yeah it seems like that i know that Except she said maybe now, jody mills she bro- no she broke the record uh oh, Ruth she Connell. she's Ruth- got she has the most episodes now yeah so she they if, if you're gonna have a character continue to come in you got to keep evolving their story yeah and making sure it makes sense you know before we had this character that was resilient and powerful but also she was weak and vulnerable and i know a lot of people in in, in our modern in the modern uh, what the um the temperature of today right the social social right you you get these people are like oh i don't want weak and vulnerable women i'm like well you know what everybody's everyone is gender has nothing to do with it everybody's weak at times and everybody's vulnerable and that's how you create great characters is showing them overcome their weakness and that's why rowena for me has become not just a highlight but one of my favorite characters in supernatural because she struggled to find her place and where she belonged since we were first introduced to her what season nine ten was it ten yeah and by turning her into an ally they managed to take this well-written and realistic character and give her new life and direction leading into season 14 and ruth cannell is such a fantastic talent yeah to see throughout her episode really good she's so dynamic she's so unique to the show that she does give us a little bit of that Crowley vibe when she comes on we get to laugh and make jokes at the Winchester's expense and it it feels a little bit like what we lost and she's just fantastic for the show I think yeah Amy did you have something you wanted to add yeah I was just gonna say I know we're not supposed to talk about like specific times fight club 
<laughs> you, you talk about, you know, showing her power versus her vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And Funeralia in season 13 yep. got to be, especially the very ending, has got to be one of my favorite Rowena scenes, episodes, Moments, whatever, because what she you. is fully powered and kicking ass and taking names. And then her confrontation with Billy and she ends up sobbing on the floor, literally on the floor. I just, I freaking love it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's and human. I, and that goes back uh, AV to my complaint that I have with a lot of modern day writing. People think because there's a call for more strong female roles that they can't make these these characters vulnerable because people are going to get upset. So we get a lot of these fake, larger-than-life characters in stories mm-hmm. that are supposed to be more drenched in reality. And the way they handle Rowena's character is absolutely perfect because they don't they don't diminish her. They make her believable and realistic. And yep. it, it takes me back to the show that I always bring up now, it seems like, when we're discussing Supernatural, but Penny Dreadful. Is it a good comparison to Ruth's uh, Ruth's character, Rowena? Uh, the character that Eva Eva Green plays is super powerful, but she struggles with an internal weakness, an internal flaw, and that's realism. That's Shakespearean. That's what. That's what. Those are the ingredients for real, interesting people. People who are weak. People who are strong as well, and they overcome those problems. Or who can balance both. Yeah. Yeah, it makes her a great character because it makes her relatable. It makes her a human. Yeah, and then the contrast that with a character like uh, sometimes what we've seen with Felicia Day, the the later versions of of uh, Charlie. Mm-hmm. She 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 has no flaws. She has no flaws. The, the Mary Sue, I'm perfect at this. I'm great at that. I have no. And that's weaknesses. why she's less interesting. When we first met Charlie, she had lots of Super problems and issues. Super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, highlight number seven, piggybacking off of that, was Billy as death and seeing a little bit of behind the curtains of reality itself and the bigger picture. And losing death at the end of season 10 was a gut punch. It was depressing as hell because we loved that He's so good. that actor, that <laughs> performance. Every time Julian he, Riching. Julian Riching showing up, every time you just got chills. You really felt like anybody could die, even Dean and Sam. The whole show could end right now if he wanted it to because he was such a captivating performance. And it also, with his death, brought up a lot of questions we had for a while there. But to see how they managed to explain Billy's new purpose and explain the hierarchy of Reapers and death, it all worked together not only to expand the mythos of Supernatural, but also patchwork. Things that we didn't understand and didn't know. Explain the hierarchy a bit. From season 10 mm-hmm. on, you know. And it also explains some of the things that had always been bugging some of our more logical listeners and fans I, out I'm there. I'm one of them. Yeah. Like, why the fuck does death, humor, deal with, help at all Dean and Sam with their petty problems? Outside of the obvious in season five, that makes sense. Right. But after that, why does he continue to help these individuals? And I think it worked for the most part. I think a lot of us kind of accept that Sam and Dean have this draw. And we kind of already drew our own assumptions, you know, as to why, you know, that they're important figures. That is why. But the fact that they spell it out, I think it needed to happen. Because why, why are they continually 
being helped by certain individuals. Why were they but helped? I like the fact that they kind of spelled it out, but they still didn't. Yes. Because all yes. Billy would say was, I get it now. Yeah. You're important. There needed to be some ambiguity you're to part it as of well. The, I see the bigger picture. That's vague yeah. enough and mysterious enough to placate us as far as an answer for the moment. Yeah. But leave us wondering, well, wait, what the hell's in those books? Yeah. What do you mean bigger picture? Yep. That is great. Great not storytelling. It might be one of the <laughs> well, it might be one of the biggest highlights or most if you had to put all these highlights on a scale of importance. I think that might of be, importance? Yeah, of that's importance. probably the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I was gonna say, think about this has been one big slow play, right? So we get introduced to death in season five. Mm-hmm. He's killed in season ten. Mm-hmm. But we don't know anything about that or or what the repercussions is until season 12. And really, we don't even get an answer then because that's just when when Billy, Billy showed up. Killed. Yeah. Yeah. And then we don't get an answer until 13. Who's death now until season 13. That is a huge slow play. Yep. And it works again. It's a way in which. They like the princes of hell. You can bring in something new while also patching and, and answering questions we would have had had you just brought it in sloppily. Right now, sometimes it's good sloppily. Sometimes though. it's good, but not every time. No, you know, sometimes it needs to be. Neat Nobody and wants tidy. to do laundry that much. Yeah, <laughs> or do we have time to clean up sometimes? <laughs> now, <laughs> I think the most popular highlight, we just because of how well this character took off, has been Jack the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. No, th- this idea was a game changer and it brought so much relevance to a character that otherwise no longer had a purpose and that was Lucifer Lucifer being the ultimate bad guy for so much of the show and even into season 11 he was didn't really, he didn't really have a point well in season 11 he comes back and we're terrified and, yeah. and Castiel says yes we're like what the he's fuck just, are you doing he's just really there after season 11 after season 11 I did I will say I did like his nihilistic viewpoint in season 12 with the rock and roll episode where he's like none of it matters I'm well, gonna smash that every toy that episode was sad do you remember it was so depressing yeah that was so what fucking depressing over from uh, who was it that played him Oh, Rick Springfield. Rick Springfield. We mm-hmm. were we were always doubting his ability to play Until Lucifer, that episode, and then we're yeah. like, "Holy shit, this guy can act his ass off! What yeah. a great job!" And while I did like that nihilistic viewpoint, it was very depressing. It could only go so far. It, exactly, it could only do so much. So for him to come back into the forefront and have to be some way a major player in the in the story, even though we thought it was silly in the very beginning, having Jack come about as a result of lucifer and kelly klein getting together brought into the whole story a brand new character that felt like a young castiel that was so powerful so bust open the doors on the world the myth arc the lore what was possible and the whole time he's this childlike innocence that we love he's got this power for darkness that if you're a fan of star wars we love and are terrified of not just because of what he could do but how painful it would be if he does go down that route. Using Jack was an excellent, excellent way to flesh out Lucifer as a storyline and to finally bring that longtime villain to an appropriate end. Even yeah. if we fucking hate it because I'm a Lucifer fanboy right. and it makes me sad. But it needed day. to be done. But it needed to be done. I accept that. And, and that's how you use characters. That I mean, that is an excellent, but despite all the shit we give Dab sometimes. Mm hmm. 
This is an excellent use of characters. You introduce someone to help flesh out that little bit that we need before you fu- before you end put the, the chapter before you end them. You put a bullet in his head and he's oh bye-bye. Jesus. <laughs> oh well, that's what they did. They made yeah. it work. If Jack wasn't there, I can't. It would be a lot. He'd harder. have been floating there's, around and not. There's important. no God. There's no Jack. Why is Lucifer here? It'd be a much harder to tuck him away and and give him emotional relevance that would actually aid in our interest and um enthusiasm in the show i mean when when he at those final moments he he managed i think we might have said this in our recap but because of jack it's not because of lucifer's because of jack and that's why jack's the highlight and not lucifer but because of jack we were able to give the fangs back to lucifer yep. at the final moment when it mattered and that was in a, a great fear. way that was a fear that all of us had when yep. we talked about Lucifer. I'm like, well, is he even really a threat anymore? He's just a goof. Yeah, he became a caricature. He, he, he's a caricature. Is what he he became a, a parody of himself in a lot of ways. But at those final moments, they gave him back those fangs, and it it worked. Mm-hmm. I hated him. Oh yeah, I, I did. Oh, yeah. I I did not like him, and that's the first time I disliked Lucifer as a character. First time, even when he was, even when he was fucking with Sam, I thought it was funny. (laughs) You know, like it was funny. This wasn't funny. No, this was dark. It was dark and evil to turn on your, your, your family and your son that way. It was such a great decision. And that's why Jack to me is definitely the highlight of season 12 or season 12 and 13. And not just. Well, and I think they're, I think they're doing Jack right as well, because Mm -hmm. we all know that he's an incredibly powerful being. But the fact that he himself doesn't quite understand how powerful he is yep. and what yeah. he's capable of works. I think that was really smart because otherwise you're going to have, you know, Castiel on crack. Right. And they <laughs> won't know what to do with that. Yeah. Well, and speaking of Castiel, Jack's introduction and him as a character was a great way to bring the brothers and Castiel back together and reinforce that idea, that concept of family. Yep. That. Every few years, the showrunner, whoever it may be, will refocus that ongoing theme and and bring it back to the forefront. And this was Dab's moment. And it was because we had in that dream sequence, even that episode, for a brief moment, you have Sam, Dean, Castiel, Mary and Jack. And it's, it's the first true family they've had in the longest time. And it's fantastic because it's a character that we completely believe. Now, and it gave something Castiel to do. Yeah, as well. it made him relevant again. Something that we always say, not that we have to complain so much, but it's it's always a problem if he doesn't have something to do because then he's just too powerful and they have to find a way to shelve him. With right. with Jack, it worked. Now, a, number nine on this highlight list, along with Jack, Dab and his writers expanded upon Carver's season 11 concept known as the Empty and bringing into the the show for the first time the cosmic entity, which that it is it does bring about a bunch of questions in some way. We had a whole like existential crisis moment when we were talking about that. <laughs> My in the brain episode. was smoking. I was yeah. like, "How? <laughs> Who? What is God? What, what? is reality?" And then, like we took some bad drugs and we're just tripping. And despite all that, I like it. It's I like so that cool. we question it because we're not questioning it because it sucks. We're questioning it because it it poses questions. We're contemplating the, the universe. And honestly, if they decide to ever tackle this, this is another two or three season arc. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
and it was what a great introduction to this this black primordial ooze terrifying entity climbing out of literally out of nothingness oh that was amazing that was such a great shot that's thomas that is exactly and we said this now we're getting into critiques but it's okay yeah we we (laughs) we can't stop do do you do you remember that we have been begging for a primordial entity Oh, forever. For how long now? Forever. We've been saying, this is what we need. Why Since before we started doing this show, since season six. Like, why do we always need to have villains look like humans or have meat suits? Let's let's do something dark and let it just be a primordial darkness. I remember at one point we even said, let's have it like the lost smoke, you know, where it's just something in a cave that's shapeless and it has this unknown ability and power and it could take the... Oh, yeah, because that's what we were hoping the, the uh, darkness, the darkness would be. was going to be. At the yeah. end of season 10. I remember that very, very well. Yeah, so the execution of the cosmic entity was amazing. But just as a general highlight and what it did for the world of Supernatural, there's no way that this cannot be on the highlights of season 12 and 13. And something that may play a big part in season 14. Because there's a lot of questions. Even how Castiel actually got back to earth the guy right. you know was resurrected of sorts we only know that uh, we're supposed to believe that the cosmic entity was simply annoyed there's got to be more to that uh, you yeah, have to in my notes i said so much lore and questions yeah. and then underneath it i was like but it does answer the question about where angels and demons go you know yeah. we know where yes. humans go we know where monsters go and then to know that it was populated by a cosmic entity yeah, that was so powerful that it could kick somebody out and send them back to Earth when Billy said that that wasn't even possible. Yeah. Well, it's very clear that the cosmic entity answers to no one and is in complete that, control that's the, that's of that domain. That's definitely what we got from that, right? Yeah. Even yeah. even God in the darkness don't really matter here. It, it, he says that. Yeah. Well, it, it says that. But this is where I get my questions, and I don't know if we want to go no, into No, no, don't go down that route. <laughs> Well, that'll be the rest of the show is us down there. But I did like it. What AV said, giving kind of essentially giving the angels and demons a place where they go to rest as well. It well, does we bring up lots of questions, question. but we it makes were sense. wondering what happens. Is there an existence after death? What what occurs to those angels and demons who dies? And I think that alone, that has been some of the biggest new lore explanation oh, yeah. concepts awesome. in the last few years. Just awesome. Yeah. Now, highlight number 10 kind of bleeds into that, which is the alternate realities, the multiverse, alternate worlds. Now, this isn't, again, an entirely new idea as far as Supernatural is the first ones to come up with it, or it's even the first time we've seen it within Supernatural. We knew this was canon as of season six, the fan favorite, the, fe- the French mistake. Yeah. We knew there were alternate realities. But to know that there are endless worlds with endless possibilities – and along with those possibilities, there are endless different threats. Yep. That I mean, how many shows, concepts, intellectual properties can say, yeah, we have virtually an unlimited supply of material. Right. Because you can look at comic books and say, well, they have the multiverse. Yeah, but the multiverse for the most part, again, I know as a general rule of thumb, I know there's exceptions. But for the most part, they're the same worlds. Right. With the same characters, same threats. These are, as we saw in the tentacle world, these are completely different creatures mm-hmm. in these worlds. Doctor Who. 
Oh, yeah, like Doctor Who. Not many. <laughs> one or two things. You can cut that out. <laughs> no, keep it in so Ryan's mad. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it just not only did it, you know, again, knock open that door to the universe of Supernatural, but also paved the way for the introduction of the Wayward Sisters. Yeah. Plus the the... Plus Dean the problem being possessed, of season 14. Yeah, by alter by alternate world Michael. Yeah. I mean, these things were all made possible because of that reality concept that ultimately has to be on the highlights because this is one of this is gonna be Dab's claim to fame. You know, when we look yeah. back at all the other showrunners and they all have that moment of, oh, this is what you brought to the table. Gamble had purgatory. You know, Kripke had, it's, un, you know, we don't need to say what he had. We already know what he said. The show. <laughs> Gamble had purgatory. Carver had the men of letters. This is dabs. The multiverse. The, yeah. 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 And it's, again, how many shows can say that? Not a lot. And and this is where I always go back. You know, my default mode of Supernatural never needs to end because the possibilities are endless. There's so many stories raveled mm-hmm. into these, the, the one piece of new lore you can literally write seasons on. Anyone. Any one of them. Yeah. So it works. Now, the last highlight we have here is the concept that heaven is dying. Uh, the the precarious position that paradise is in has been something that it's a little hit or miss as far as whether or not you liked it or if it makes sense with the canon so far. But the fact is that's what's happening. And to see that threat come to light in this, it not only puts different responsibility on Castiel, somebody who has always has the problem of what we're going to do with him this season, Mm -hmm. but it also gives Michael a perfect in to having the angels back him entirely, create a whole new front of enemies for Sam and Dean, reintroduce heaven in a way that is relevant to the story, but also works for a a threat with Apocalypse Earth Michael. It works in so many different ways. But also the threat of actually losing heaven. Uh, yeah, you know, that, that's that, the other that, side of that coin. That foreshadowing of if heaven falls. falls and runs out of power and there's no angels to keep it going, then all these souls will fall back to earth and essentially be ghosts. So, so, so then we'll have Apocalypse Bobby versus Ghost Bobby? Yeah, and also Ghost John Winchester trying to murder <gasps> alternate world Bobby for, for boning Banging his, wife. his wife. Like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so, again, highlight 11. It has to be there. Heaven dying. Whether you're tired of he- of heaven or not, it doesn't matter. That's a major thing. Well, That's a major story element. Especially because if you think about it, saving heaven is all that would matter because if you don't, Preventing the apocalypse is irrelevant. Yeah. Preventing right. purgatory or the destruction ultimate of Michael coming over or Lucifer destroying the world. It doesn't matter if there's nowhere to go, if there's no safe safe haven. But yeah. if there is no heaven, everything you've done. Nothing matters. All of it is gone. Nothing matters. Literally. Well, yeah, because then you just end up with either people going to hell and getting turned into demons or a world full of ghosts. I would choose hell. At least I know who I am. Yeah, but then you're getting like dicked around for. No, nah. well, I'm just saying for the people for the people left on Earth, like those are your options. Oh, if you die, yeah, yeah. Neither of which are good. So I that, choose not to die. <laughs> immortality, <laughs> yeah. And you know, with some of that heaven aspect, we had some cool new lore introduced in season twelve with Lily Sunder and the idea that angel or humans can use angelic magic 
at a very grave Enochian cost. magic. Enochian mm-hmm. magic at a grave cost to their own soul. This might be something that comes into play as we move into fighting an all more powerful Michael when everyone else who's a power player is off the board. Who knows how that could play out? I would love to see something like that again because that seems so awesome and such and, a cool idea and kind of foreign to supernatural it works yeah but it seems oh, yeah. it seems foreign the idea that you can wield the power of angels as long as you tap into your soul and you get a sick ass eye patch yeah <laughs> like and wear a black suit yeah be cool to see what they do with heaven will be i think one of the driving It'll forces with this upcoming season i'll tell you what this is the first time since the ending of season eight that i actually cared about heaven i'll agree with that you know what i mean like i I don't think it ever i'm not one of those people who hate heaven and and, and think that it ruins everything i don't think it ruins anything i'm just kind of you're a little over it yeah i'm just kind of shrug i'm like okay has some problems with heaven but this one i'm actually interested in see i think for me what they've done which is kind of amazing to think about is I think they've kind of done with angels what they kind of did with the demons, where they yeah. gave the demons their fangs back. Mm-hmm. So, like, now we have angels. Okay, we don't have a lot. They're obviously not the first string. But the scene in um, oh, the Wayward Sisters episode, season t- uh, episode 10, mm-hmm. with the angels dispelling all of the wardings. That oh, was amazing. Yeah. You know, so just little bits like that, you kind of feel like they've they've given the fangs back to the angels for a little bit. They're yeah. more militant. I mean, they're more violent. And they're, right. they're desperate. Well, they're they, desperate. And that's what's exactly. and that's the key there. And that's why they're going to be interesting. Because I don't think we've seen angels desperate. What and are they what are they willing to do? I mean, we they're already gonna know say they're going to help out Michael. That's yeah. what they're willing to do. Yeah. So I think this one definitely belongs on as part of the highlights of yeah. season 12 through 13 for sure. And when you yep. take all these highlights and, and all these moments, you can look back at what Dav has done from season 12 to 13, and you can definitely see a little bit of a roadmap as to where he's planning to move things for this upcoming season. The amount is obviously unknown at this point as to what exactly will play a key role in each thing, but you realize how much has transpired over these 40-plus episodes in the last two years. We can see where things started, how things have devolved, and where they've put our characters, for better or worse, in the situation they're in, and some of the overall storylines that Dab wants to tell during his time on the show. So the big question is, which ones of these will exactly play a role in season 14? Yeah. And we thankfully, we only have about a month to wait out that, three weeks or so. Yeah. Before we finally get some answers. So... Overall, guys, that is going to conclude our discussion for the highlights of Dab's Runs Seasons 12 and 13 so far. Again, if you are a member of the Patreon tier, we are going to be doing a continued discussion as we get further into Mary Winchester as a character in a special undabbed episode, Dab's Wins, There's Something About Mary, where we're going to talk about her, what they've done with her, and how they've changed what we thought of her, all that kind of discussion So if you're a member of the Patreon videocast here, you'll get access to that. For all the rest of you who have spent money and and listened to all of us, we thank you very, very much for taking the time to be a fan. We appreciate all of you, and we'll see you in about a month. You little maggot. 
You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.